0: Thank you. faithful. In Jesus' name, will you please be seated?
1: Glad that you are awake and doing well this morning. That is awesome. Welcome, to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, we're especially glad that you're here, and we'd love to get to know you. And one of the ways that we do that is through our guest registration card located in the pew rack. So if you could take that and fill it out, uh, there's a place if you want to receive our newsletter or if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you later on the service when we take up the offering. You just drop that in; that can be your offering this morning. Uh, we're in a season of prayer for world missions, and so this is a time when we pray and also give to send missionaries to uh, unreached people groups and out to the field. And so uh, we have an unreached people group that we've adopted as a church. They're the Wall of people of West Africa and Paris. And often we don't get to share a whole lot of information because number one, they're not only unreached, but they're unengaged. There's, there's only about 50 Wallif believers in the entire world. Um, and uh, in a lot of places, it's It's dangerous where our missionaries are serving, and so they kind of want to kind of fly under the radar a little bit. But we do want to take some time today to pray for the Wall of People. We have a mission trip going to be scheduled in 2018 to go to Paris to serve among the Wall of and to partner with our IMB missionaries. But if you would, as we begin our time together, uh, gathering to worship, would you join me in prayer for the Wall of People? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you because of your son, Jesus. We have a gospel to tell. We have news to share, and it's good news. And Father, we want to lift up today the wall of people. God, people who do not have access to this good news. Even if they wanted to hear it, they're unable to. There's no one there to share. There's no Bible in their language. And there's no opportunity for them to hear the good news. God, we pray that you would send workers. God, I pray that you would stir our hearts uh, to remember them, to pray for them. And, and Father, also stir us up to have a desire and a passion to reach them. Father, we pray for our IMB missionaries who are serving among the wall of people. Give them strength. I know it's hard and it's lonely and it's dangerous. Um, God, we lift them up to you. And Lord, as we enter into this season of prayer for world missions, God, stir us up to not only have a heart for the nations, but also to have a heart for the neighborhood. And wherever you call us, Lord, to go and be your witnesses. We ask this in Jesus' good name. Amen.
0: First Baptist Church Manchester presents the theatrical Christmas musical Waystation on December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at 6 p.m. nightly. This musical production is sure to get you in the Christmas spirit. Come see the lights and the sounds of Christmas with a full choir and a talented cast of actors. Waystation is the touching story of Mitchell Schuster, who is the somewhat reluctant inheritor of a small family gas station that is, as he says, at the intersection of nowhere and oblivion. We will watch Mitchell grow from a nine year old boy with a new suitcase to a young man who meets and marries Rita, the love of his life. Although his suitcase is perpetually packed, he never seems to be able to escape from his struggling business to take a long-planned, always-postponed Christmas trip. As the decades pass, Mitchell arrives at a destination that is far different than the one he originally saw. Put it on your calendar now because it will only be here one weekend. Performances are December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at 6 p.m. nightly. Admission is free. First Baptist Church is located in Manchester at 1006 Hillsboro Boulevard, 37355. So yeah, that's coming up this this Friday. Uh, it starts this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so we've got invitations. Uh, there's some at the at the uh, visitor center. Also up here on the front. I just realized we got some here and some posters. I got some small eight and a half by eleven posters. If you got a place that you want to put it up at work or something like that. Uh, Uh, We primarily get most of the folks who come uh, to these events by word of mouth, by your invitation. Every time I've done this, I've had a show of hands. How many of you are here because you heard it on the radio? You know, there's a spattering of people. How many are here because you, you know, heard about it, you know, on some other thing, in the newspaper? And it's always a spattering when I say, how many were here because you got invited? And I mean, it's like 90% of the people come because they got invited. And so uh, that is the number one uh, form of getting folks here. This is a great event, for, for, especially for your unchurched friends who may not come to a church event. They would might come to a story. This is a full-blown play. The pictures were actually of our rehearsals, so we haven't even put up the sets yet. We'll be putting up sets in here and uh, costumes, and so those... Those were just rehearsals on the stage pretty much like it is now. So that's a big transformation that's going to happen this week. And so don't miss Way Station. That will have the full play. The choir will be in the loft. Uh, and it's going to be an event that you won't want to miss. Last year, I think we had somewhere around 1,200 people who came. Uh, we can we can possibly do up to 1,500 because this room will seat five 500 people. Uh, let's do that this year. Let's uh, let's beat last year's 1200 and do 1500 this year. So anyway, enough of, enough of that. Will you please stand with us and let's continue to worship. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. If you've been here in the same old so the same old life. You're trying to fill the same old holes inside. There's a better life. There's a better life. You got pain. You can't feel it. Somebody testify. Amen. Here I am. come before you this morning just acknowledging that you are God and that you are a faithful God. Oh, Lord, we can never thank you enough. Oh, Lord, when we look back in our lives and we see all the ways that you have been there, even in the darkest of our hours, that we realize that you indeed have been there all along, and we can sing with gusto never once Have we ever walked alone? Never once have we been on our own? Oh, Lord, thank you. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated.
2: Well, good morning. My voice is a little bit hoarse this morning. I'm a little bit raspy. I hope that doesn't... um, Hinder you too much as you listen or distract from the message that I want to share with you this morning Today I want to share with you five reasons that I believe in God You may be here today and you're a person who doesn't believe in God and I'm glad you come to our church And I want to share with you some lines of evidence that maybe would help you to take that step of faith to believe in God Or maybe uh, You're a believer But you struggle with some doubts, and I want to share with you today some evidence that maybe will help you with your doubts. Or maybe um, these are things that you could share with a friend. What if you have somebody come visit you at the holidays and ask you, why do you believe in God? What would you say to them? Do you have an answer that you could give? So I want to share with you this morning (laughs) five reasons I believe in God and I want to share with you one word that sort of um, encapsulates each reason so maybe you can remember it. And the first word is the word beginning. Beginning. Scientists say that our universe had a beginning. They didn't used to believe that, used to believe it had been here forever. But now the consensus is that our universe had a starting point, a beginning. Stephen Hawking is a Cambridge astronomer of renown, and uh, he's an atheist, he's not a believer. And Stephen Hawking said, almost everyone believes that the universe and time itself had a beginning. So, if our universe had a beginning, what caused it to begin? Did it just create itself? Scientists are now saying that there was a time when there was nothing, and then there was something. And what caused that to begin? Is it more logical to believe that it just started itself, or is it more logical to believe that a, a god created it? Scientists call this beginning the Big Bang, that there was a big explosion, a big bang, and that all of our universe started expanding from that point. If there was a, a bang over here in this corner this morning, what would you naturally do? You'd look in that direction, wouldn't you? You'd look in that direction to see what, what caused that. Wonder what, wonder what caused that? Did something fall? Was there an explosion? What, what caused that bang? Well, you look when there's a, an event like a bang to see what caused it. And doesn't it make sense to believe that there's a God who caused the beginning of the universe? Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning. Isn't it interesting that science has sort of come to where the Bible has been all along? That there was a beginning? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Nobel Prize winner in physics, Steven Weinberg, says, he describes that Big Bang in this way. At the moment of the Big Bang, the universe was about 100,000 million degrees centigrade, and the universe was filled with light. Isn't it interesting that that Genesis 1-3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. How did darkness come produce light? The Bible says that that God spoke and it happened. And isn't it more reasonable to believe that the beginning of the universe was caused by something greater than itself? The first reason that I believe in the universe, I believe in God, is because it's more rational to believe that the beginning of the universe was caused by him than it caused itself. A second word that I want to share with you this morning, a second reason I believe there's a God, is the word design. Design. You see, in the Darwinian view of our world, everything happens at random. and the naturalistic explanation of the evolution of our world, it's just a collision of molecules, just random events. And yet, There is in our universe an order, a complexity, a precision, a design that would baffle those who say it all happened randomly. Again, Stephen Hawking, an atheist, wrote, the universe and the laws of physics seem to have been specifically designed for us. If any of about 40 physical qualities had slightly different values. Life as we know it could not exist. Our universe seems to be precisely designed to support us. And within our universe is a solar system that's designed to support life. And within our our solar system is a planet that's designed to support life. Somebody has called it the Goldilocks universe containing a Goldilocks planet. You know the story of Goldilocks. The porridge was too hot, too cold, and then she found it was just right. Our universe is just right. Our planet is just right. Two atheist astronomers wrote a book called Rare Earth, and they said, um, Darwinian atheists, can't really expect to find any life, complex life, in our search in the universe. Sorry, Star Trek fans. But they said, it, "Our planet is just pres- uniquely tuned to support life, like a million razor blades balanced on one another." Wow, wow. Psalm nineteen one says, "The heavens declare the glory of God." and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Our universe exhibits the marks of a designer, of someone who arranged things with great precision and order and complexity. And not only the vastness and grandeur of the universe, but as we learn more and more about the cell on a microscopic level, we learn that there is unbelievable design there. There is, in every human cell, this thing called DNA. It's like a computer code. It's like an instruction manual, an incredible amount of information. Scientists tell us that DNA is made up of four chemicals that they labeled with the letters G, A, T, and C and that these letters are arranged in patterns sort of like computer code, binary computer code with zeros and ones. Well, these four G, A, T, C are are repeated in patterns in the cells in our body like somebody put it there and designed it and that there are Three billion of these letters in every cell in your body arranged in unique ways. Isn't that incredible? Three billion of those repeated patterns of G-A-T-C-A-C-T-G-U and so forth in every drop of spittle and every fingernail and every cell in your body. Our universe and our cells exhibit The work of somebody who encoded it, who placed information there. Information we know only comes from complex, intelligent beings and it shows the work of a designer. The third reason that I believe in God, I would summarize in the word beauty. Beauty. You see, in the naturalistic view of our world, Everything is supposed to serve a purpose. It all evolved only because it was more advantageous than the other set of possibilities. Everything is utilitarian. Everything has to serve a purpose. But then why is there beauty in our world? Why is there a mountain with beautiful colors and a landscape? It doesn't make sense in a naturalistic world That there would be why is there color? Why does why isn't our world black and white? It it does not serve an evolutionary purpose for vibrant colors to evolve. Look at the fish of the sea. Isn't that amazing? Why are they different colors like that? And and why is there music? Music does not serve that utilitarian purpose. Oh, you can say the birds sing to attract one another. Well, they could squawk like I'm squawking this morning. They don't have to have that melody with that complex notes and rhythm. There is beauty in our world that's unexplainable. Why would flamingos evolve pink? There's no reason for that. But you know why? I believe that flamingos... Or that beautiful shade of pink. Because the God who created them thought it would be cool. That's why. <laughs> it's just. Re- but if there is a God of beauty. If like we want to create art. And we want to create music. Because that's in our nature. And we're created in the image of a God. Who is like that. If there's a God of beauty. Then it is natural that his His handiwork would contain beauty for the sake of beauty, for pleasure, for enjoyment. Beauty points to the presence of God. And that is why Charles Darwin perhaps wrote in a letter to a friend, the sight of a peacock's tail whenever I gaze at it makes me sick. Why? Because he had little explanation for the beauty of a peacock's tail and it made him sick. Third reason I believe in God is because there is beauty in our world that points to a God of beauty who placed it there. Now, the fourth word that I want to share with you is the word evil. I believe in God. Because of evil, that might sound strange to you. In fact, those who don't believe in God often point to the presence of evil in our world. And they say things such as, how could a God who's good allow children to starve or other kinds of evil to exist? And I understand that. But let me ask you to think about this. If there is no God... Why is there the category of evil? Why is there the concept of right or wrong if there is no God? By your very acknowledging that you have a problem with evil, you're introducing a category that can only come from the existence of God. Because in the evolutionary worldview, there's no right and wrong. In the evolutionary worldview, it's survival of the fittest, it's the law of tooth and fang, and you kill, and you steal, and you do anything to preserve your life and pass on your genes, and it does not matter about anybody else, it's survival of the fittest. And so nothing is evil, nothing is wrong, because it's all about just you being on top of the heap, right? So if there is something, you have some concept in your life that anything is bad or evil, then you're by simply introducing that concept, you're moving beyond an evolutionary worldview to some morality. And where do those laws of morality come from? They come from a good God who is the lawgiver. Jeffrey Dahmer, if you might remember him. He was a terrible serial killer in Milwaukee in the 1980s. And horrifically, he not only molested and killed, but then consumed his victims. He was a cannibal, kept them in his freezer. Terrible evil, right? Let me read to you words of Jeffrey Dahmer. He said, if it all happens naturalistically What's the need for God? Can't I set my own rules? Who owns me? I own myself. He had really come to the logical view of a naturalistic worldview. In a naturalistic worldview, who are you to say that Jeffrey Dahmer is wrong where do right and wrong come from? Categories of right and wrong come from a God who is just and true. Revelation 15:3 says, "Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty; just and true are your ways, king of the nations." So from the justice and the truth of God, every culture has some view of right and wrong it doesn't all agree but there's within us some concept of some things are good and some things are bad and it comes from a god whose ways are just and true even little children do you have little kids you don't have to teach them the concept of right and wrong you may have to teach them what is right or wrong but they're going to get in a fight and say that's not fair where do they get this idea of Fairness. That's mine. You can't take it from me. Where do they get that? There is built within all of us a moral nature that, though we may want to deny it, rationalize it like Jeffrey Dahmer, we know there is right and wrong, there is good and evil, and simply by acknowledging that, we acknowledge we're not just animals. We did not just come randomly for nothing, but there is a God whose ways are just and marvelous and true, and he put that within us. i me tell you the story of W.H. Auden. W.H. Auden is a famous American poet. If you studied literature in college, you probably had to read the poetry of Auden. Just before World War II, W.H. Auden tells of how he was in a movie theater in New York City, watching a documentary about the terrible Nazi treatment of Jews in Germany under the Third Reich. And he was horrified by the abuse of Jews that he was seeing in this documentary on the screen. But there were other people in the theater, German-Americans, Nazi sympathizers, who were cheering, who were laughing at the treatment of the Jews. And he was more horrified by that. But Auden was an atheist, and he said, it struck me that day in the theater, how can I say that my view is right because I disapprove of this, and theirs is wrong. Where do I get any categories to say that? And Auden became a Christian, and he traced the beginning of his journey to Christianity to that day in the theater when he saw that his atheism had no foundation for any moral distinction and yet there was within his own heart a repulsion against that evil. And he said, where does that come from? And he recognized it had to come from God and W.H. Auden began his journey from atheism to Christianity. Fourth reason that I believe in God it's because there's evil in our world. The fifth and greatest reason that I believe in God might be summed up in the word Bible. I believe in God because of the truth of the Bible. You see, if there is a God of beginning, a God of design, a God of beauty, a God of right and justice, then would he not Communicate in some way with the creatures that he made in his image. Certainly it would seem logical that God would in some way communicate with us. So what is his communication? The Bible purports to be the message from God to us but there are other scriptures and other writings that other people believe are God's communication. So how do we know which one is the right one. Well, I could, I could talk a lot about the big picture of the Bible and its reliability and why I believe it's authentic, and, but let me just focus on one detail because I'm trying to share just one simple word with you that you might remember. So let's just focus on one detail of the Bible, a very insignificant detail, okay? The Bible talks about a people called the Hittites, H-I-T-T-I-T-E-S. Hittites. Fifty times in the Bible, the Hittites are mentioned. First place they're found in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 10, verse 15. Canaan was the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and of the Hittites. Here's where the Hittites came from. You would understand that the most doubted part of the Bible by critics of the Bible are the first 11 chapters of Genesis. They're the oldest part of the Bible. They're the part that tell about creation. They're the part that are viewed by critics of the Bible as the least historical myth. Stories of Noah and Tower of Babel and all that jazz. It's just prehistory. It's myth that they wrote. That's the criticism of the Bible. This is the most criticized section of the Bible. So here's one tiny detail from that section there's a people named the Hittites. In the 1800s, higher criticism arose. The criticism of the Bible reached new heights. And there is no other record of the Hittites in any other writings. And so critics of the Bible said there are no people called the Hittites. It's part of the myth of the Old Testament. They just made it up like they made up this stuff about Babel and Noah and all this other stuff. Hittites mentioned over and over. And for example... In 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 29, Solomon, it says, imported um, a chariot from Egypt and a horse for 150. They also exported them to all the kings of the Hittites. So the Bible says there's a lot of kings of the Hittites, and Solomon sold horses and chariots to them all through the Bible. No Hittites. Critics said there aren't any Hittites. 1906, archaeologists digging near Ankara, Turkey, found a city, as they uncovered it, they found it was a massive city, they found thousands of clay tablets with writing, a language hitherto unknown, a civilization hitherto unknown, a city of, they said, of 260,000 people, it was the capital of the Hittite kingdom, and lo and behold, in this small detail, the critics had been wrong and the Bible had been right all along, and now everybody knows there was a people called the Hittites. In the most doubted part of the Bible, a detail that doesn't really matter, but that is accurate, shows the the authenticity, the reliability of the Bible. If it gets those little historical details right, Could it not be trusted with its great message? I believe in God because the most attacked and criticized book in history has withstood that criticism and is still today reviewed as reliable and accurate and trustworthy and is confirmed over and over. And so its message that Jesus is the Son of God, sent from God to redeem us, who died on a cross and rose from the dead, is bolstered by its accuracy in so many details. Five reasons I believe in God. Beginning, design, beauty, evil, and Bible. I ask you to consider these. If you're doubting, if you're struggling, may it bolster your faith. And if you're not yet a believer, the reason that God has given this evidence to you, well, it's because he loves you and he wants you to know him. Let me read to you one more passage. It is from Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and following. It's what Paul said to the sophisticated people of Athens, Greece, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and be marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Do you know why God has given us these clues to his existence? Do you know why he put color in our universe? Do you know why he gave evidence of the complexity of design? Do you know why even in little children he put that concept of right and wrong? He left breadcrumb trail for you because he loves you and he wants you to find him. And you will not find him by your mind alone. You'll find him when you put your faith in him. But that act is not a blind leap of faith, it is based upon good, logical, rational evidence. And God has given you the evidence of creation and of his world and of his word because he wants you to find him. He's not far from you. And if you'll seek him, he's findable. He's findable. He wants to be found by you because he loves you and wants to set your life on the right path. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh God, if there are among us doubters today, strengthen our faith. Thank you that you've given us evidence of your existence. Lord, if there are those here who are not sure if they believe in you, I pray, Lord, that today that your Holy Spirit would use these lines of evidence to reveal to them that you are nearby and you're real and you love them and you want to be found by them. I pray you'll draw people to you because we can only come to you if your spirit draws us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand together with me in the time of invitation? If God's speaking to you today, if you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ, believer in Him. I want to invite you to indicate that publicly by coming forward, meeting a pastor here. You can be baptized in a couple of weeks. If you need a church home, we invite you to join. If you need prayer, we invite you to come. Let's sing together. Light of
0: the world, you step down into darkness. Oh,
2: seated as we give our offerings to worship a good God.
3: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day for a week we've had to celebrate thanksgiving and to gather together lord we're blessed beyond our ability to comprehend and we just thank you and praise you today thank you for your word to us and for your message for this message that gives us a testimony of who you are and what you've done and gives us assurance and we thank you for that too and Luke, thank you now lord for this opportunity to worship by giving We pray, Lord, that you would bless the gift and the giver. May it all bring you glory and honor and praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: There's got to be more than going back and forth, from doing right to doing wrong, because we were taught that's who we are. Come on, get in line right behind me, you along with everybody. Thinking there's worth in what you do. Then like a hero who takes the stage when we're on the edge of our seats saying it's too late, let me introduce you to amazing grace. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, Still the truth is the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. No matter the hurt or how deep the wound is, no matter the pain, still the truth is the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. Could it possibly be that we simply can't believe that this unconditional kind of love would be enough to take a filthy wretch like this, wrap him up in righteousness, but that's exactly what he did. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars. Still the truth is the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. No matter the hurt or how deep the wound is, no matter the pain, still the truth is the cross has made, the cross has made you Flawless. Oh. take a breath, smile and say right here right now I'm okay because the cross was enough Then like a hero who takes the stage when we on the edge of our seats saying it's too late Well let me introduce you to grace grace God's grace No matter the bumps no matter the bruises no matter scars Still the truth is the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. No matter the hurt, or how deep the wound is, no matter the pain, still the truth is the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. Flawless. No matter what they say, or what you think you are, the day you called his name, he made you flawless. He made you flawless. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is the cross has made. The cross has made you flawless.
3: Hey, as we close, just a couple of quick announcements. Remember, your angel tree gifts are due next Sunday. Also, for students, if you're planning to go to Strength the Stand, uh, that deadline is next Sunday as well to sign up, and the dues again are $85. If you're not uh, a part of a connection group, let me invite you to become a part of a connection group this morning. You can go down to our welcome desk down as you exit to your left. And we've got connection groups for all ages. We'd love for you to participate in a smaller group of people to to get connected with with each other. And remember to pick up your uh, way station little, uh, what do you call them, these? Invitations? Invitations. So make sure you pick up your way station invitations on your way out. Let me close this in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can see uh, evidence of you all around us, God. We thank you for your love and that you have a desire to know us. God, this morning we thank you for the beauty that we see in the world around us. We thank you for this time that we can be thankful for you and just uh, return that by by sharing in thanksgiving and just beginning to celebrate the birth of your son. It's It's his name that we pray. Amen.